Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, February 26th. Let's start with what you missed over the last week, then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. All right, let's get started because we have a lot to go over, and we're actually going to start with some MLB baseball as spring training has officially begun this past week. And so let's go over some changes that are coming to this year's season for the MLB. The MLB would be cracking down on obstructing the plate. That means if a player does not have the ball or is in action of fielding the ball, he cannot impede the progress of a runner. So they will be cracking down on that. We kind of saw it a little bit last season, but it looks like they're going to be a lot harsher. They will also cut two more seconds off the pitch clock. So now if there are men on base, the pitch clock will be down to 18 seconds. Also, the first base path will be widened. So there's actually going to be a little bit more room there as well. And any pitcher who warms up at the start of an inning has to face at least one batter, unless obviously injury occurs. Last season, there were 24 different times where a pitcher warmed up but then was replaced. And this added about three minutes of dead time. And the MLB is nixing that now. So if you go out to warm up, you got to face one batter before you get changed out. Also mound visits will be reduced from five times to four times per game. But the big news that is coming out of the MLB that is all over social media. I mean, I even saw it on good morning America this morning is the new Nike designed fanatic generated uniforms that the MLB has rolled out and they have been in production for about five years now. They are lighter quote unquote, quote unquote, performance jerseys, but they have faced resounding complaints from players that the pants are see-through. There is actually, and I did put the original photo on there. It is quite obscene to say the least. Um, You definitely see some parts you're not usually supposed to see. But also, even just um, people are standing up, it's just the, um, the player and his pants. You can literally see the under like underwear slider things that he's wearing, and you can see the Nike logo through that as well as the tag that's on the bottom of his shirt that's tucked in. So that is how see-through the pants are, and it is just caught fire on Instagram and all kinds of social media. So that has been one of the major issues from the past week and one of the hottest topics literally in all of sports as of this past week. Moving along to NBA news this week in the NBA. Remember, it was a short week after the All-Star game on Sunday, which I covered last week. So there were no games until Thursday. The Nets have their new coach, Kevin Ollie, but they lost their first game with him as head coach. They got upset by the Raptors, 121-93. to 93. Ugh. Kyrie and Luka combined for 70 points in their Mavs game against the Suns on Thursday. The Phoenix and Dallas teams now have the same record at 33-23 and 23 after that game. Nuggets center and star Nikola Jokic put up a triple-double in their game against the Wizards to win by 20. The Warriors got the better of the Lakers this time around, winning by 18, and all of that was on Thursday. On Friday, the Bucks upset the number one team in the Northwest, the Timberwolves, after outscoring them 23 points in the third quarter. Wow. 
The Knicks, who have been on a winning streak for a while, have had a comeback down to earth streak, as I like to call it. They did win their game against the 76ers, but that's been their only win in the last six games. Also, the Celtics beat them easily at home on Saturday, 116 to 102. The Kings had a big upset of the Clippers, winning by 16 over the favored team, thanks to a triple-double by their star, Sabanis. Speaking of triple-doubles, going back to the Nuggets, who beat the Warriors on Sunday by 16. That's not super noteworthy. The Nuggets were favored. But Jokic, again, is had his third straight triple-double, which brings his career total to 139 in just 719 games in the league. That surpasses LeBron James, who sits at 138 after... 1,753 regular season games and playoff games. So not only is Jokic actually past LeBron James in the actual total, but he did it in, gosh, almost a third of the games as well. On Friday, during the Heat-Pelicans game, a foul on Zion Williamson spurred a bunch of ejections, Jimmy Butler included. Thomas Bryant, Jose Alvarado, and Najee Marshall were also ejected in that game. The whole thing started when Heat center Kevin Love put hands on Zion Williamson to block his layup, and Williamson fell to the floor after the foul. After the scuffle, the Heat went on a 11-0 run to beat the Pelicans. That also killed the New Orleans four-game win streak as well. Moving along to NCAA basketball, and y'all, this week was absolutely nuts. Monday started with a big one in the Big 12. It was the two highest ranked teams in the conference. Number two, Houston versus number six, Iowa State. Houston was leading going into the half by five and continued to roll, ultimately winning by eight. Tuesday's Big 12 ranked game was number 11 versus number 25, BYU, and BYU came to play. The other Cougars, we talked about the Houston Cougars first, the BYU Cougars also led at half by five and then added on to win by seven. So very similar stories, just a day apart. We also had a ranked game in the Big East, number one, UConn versus number 15, Creighton. This one, though, not so close. Creighton upsets the Huskies, dominating in both halves to win by 19. This is Creighton's first win over number one in program history. And then Utah State upset number 19, San Diego State, due to their half first half performance. Both teams scored 37 apiece in the second half. The Aggies are now the number one in the Mountain West after that win, and they are now ranked this week. Wednesday had seven games with ranked teams playing and five had losses in the top 25. The SEC had one of the best ranked games we've seen in quite some time. Number 13, Alabama and newly ranked number 24, Florida, went into overtime thanks to the Tide coming back after trailing at half. They also got the last laugh winning by five. Number 12, Illinois came out hot, throwing up 48 points on the board in the first half, leading by seven going into the locker room. But the Nittley Lions came back, making three free throws in the final seconds of the game to beat Illinois by two. George Mason only scored 27 in the first half, but upset number 16, Daytona, or Dayton, excuse me, not Daytona. I obviously, Freudian slip as Daytona was last week. So the Patriots stormed the court in celebration. Bet you couldn't name the George Mason mascot before I told you that. 
Also, Angel Reese, who is an LSU women's basketball star, was among the crowd that rushed the court after LSU had an epic comeback to beat number 17, Kentucky, at the buzzer. And to end the day, New Mexico and number 22, Colorado State, were tied at half, but the Lobos get the W by two. Number four, Arizona hosted number 21, Washington State, in a close game this week. The Cougars get the upset by three points. This is the first time that they have swept swept the Arizona Wildcats since 2009, and the first time Wazoo has won eight straight conference games since the end of World War II. It was literally like 1947, so a little bit after that. No ranked ranked teams played on Friday. But hold on to your hats because Saturday was crazy. We had 21 ranked teams in action. And let's start with the ranked first ranked matchups. Again, in the Big 12, number 11, Baylor versus number two, Houston. They both played ranked opponents earlier in the week, and this game was a thriller. Houston came out hot, putting up 41 points in the first half. Feeling cocky, going into the locker room, up 16 But Baylor isn't ranked in the top 15 for nothing. They put up 44 in the second half, coming all the way back to tie it up with just four seconds on the clock. But Houston wasn't done. Jamal Shedd ran down the court and threw up a beautiful three-pointer that swooshes in. It looked like as time expired. However, upon closer review, Shedd still had the ball in his hands when the buzzer went off. So that three-pointer doesn't count, and we go into overtime. So if you're sitting there going, oh, killer for Houston, don't feel too bad for them as they did manage to hold off Baylor by six for the ultimate win. But man, it was a crazy, crazy finish. The SEC matchup was not as good. Number 13, Alabama traveled to Lexington against number 17, Kentucky. And the Wildcats may have been underdogs as far as their number goes, but they throttled the tide. Kentucky put up 58 points and 59 points in their two halves, respectively, to win by 22. There also weren't a ton of upsets until you got to like the lower ranked teams. Number 21, Wazoo, who beat Arizona earlier in the week, remember, fell to the other Arizona team, Arizona State, by 12 on Saturday. Number 22, Colorado State, lost by six in a low-scoring game to UNLV. The total score for that game was 126 points combined between the two teams. That is more than 12 points under the over-under figure. It was a final score of 66 to 60. Ugh. Number 23, Texas Tech got beat in both halves to lose to UCF by 14. Unranked Kansas State beat number 25 BYU after scoring 42 points in both halves, beating the Cougars by 10. So not a good day to be ranked in the 20-plus range. The only team to escape that curse of the day on Saturday was number 24 Florida, who did beat Vandy. And then on Sunday, there was only one upset. St. John's came out to play, scoring 41 points in the first half against number 15, Creighton. They would be closer in the second half, only separated by one point, but the damage was done for the Blue Jays. So after a huge win and beating number one, UConn, earlier in the week, they have a big letdown game against St. John's. There was also another upset on Saturday that I didn't cover as part of the upset like realm because frankly that wasn't the big enough story for the matchup number eight duke lost to wake forest at wake by four and while that's important to note it's a big win for wake forest especially as they shot 69.6 percent in their shooting in the second half 
as Wake tries to make their claim for the tournament. That's not why you see this clip everywhere. So the other, I would say one of the other major stories, literally of the entire week, the baseball pants and Duke Wake Forest. After the game, the buzzer had barely gone off before fans started storming the court. In the melee, Duke center Kyle Filipowski had a collision with a fan and has been seen hobbling off the court. He was later also had ice on his knee. That scene overshadowed the Demon Deacons win. It is bringing up the same issue of banning court storming, which has been a tradition when you win big on the basketball court. But this is the second incident in recent weeks after Iowa star Caitlin Clark was knocked over by a fan after they were upset as well. So be be ready to see that in upcoming weeks being discussed as a possible ban. I do have a little bit of football news, a little bit of NFL and college football playoffs. So the college football playoff is talking about a 14-team playoff for 2026. Meetings are held in Dallas this week, and the 12-team playoff is set to start this season with a 5-7 to model. Now, if you're like, I have no idea what that means. That means that the five highest conference champions will automatically be included in the playoff with the next seven highest no matter what the conference. Originally, we talked about it was going to be six and six, but that was before the dissolving of the Pac-12. So big time, meaning it's going to be the power four, quote unquote, now conferences and one at large conference. So whether that is CUSA, Conference USA, MAC, whatever that is, the highest non-power five, what now power four team will go in as well as their conference champion. And in the NFL, we they have raised their salary cap to $255.4 million. That is a 13.6 increase from the last year. It is the largest increase year over year since the salary cap came into existence in 1994. Three teams specifically were thought to be over the salary cap before this increase. And it looks like now all three teams should be under that number. Those three teams being the Super Bowl runner-ups, the 49ers, the Packers, and then the Seahawks. We have some golf news in the PGA Tour this week. It was drama in Mexico, and PGA Tour rookie Jake Knapp looked to have his first title in hand, leading by four shots on the final day. But he lost that lead in just seven holes. He tying finish golfer Val Mackey. He then hung on long enough nap, hung on long enough to get a par 71 final round for the day and win by two over the Finnish golfer. Nap won just his fifth start on the PGA Tour and now gets to play in the Masters along with taking home $1.458 million for the win. And here is what I would say is like to be as like the big stories from the week. You will see it trending all over social media. The Live Tour has signed Anthony Kim as a wildcard entry into the Live event in Jeddah next week, a.k.a. this week. Anthony Kim was a star of the golf world. So if you're like, I don't understand the big deal. This is like, why? Why this doesn't make any sense? Because he didn't win a ton of tournaments. He won some, but he didn't win like a ridiculous amount. We're not talking like a tiger. However, he kind of had a little bit of that stardom power to him. So literally in his first PGA Tour tournament, he finished tied second. He won his first PGA event in 2008 at Wachovia Championship, which is now the Wells Fargo Championship. 
then proceeded to win again on tour, making him the first American under 25 years old to win twice on the PGA Tour since Tiger Woods. So kind of getting that star quality up and up and getting everybody pumped. He was also a integral part of the United States win in the Ryder Cup in 2008. He upset some huge names, so that really shot him into that stardom even more. He would then win another PGA Tour title and place third at the Masters in 2010 before getting injured, and that's kind of where things started to fall apart right around 2011. Then it was rumored that he wasn't even playing golf recreationally, and he kind of fell off the face of the golf world. So I, in my opinion, why he has kind of reached this astronomical stardom and why it's now this like huge, big deal that he's come back, he is almost like a golf folk hero or the prodigal son kind of vibes. He shone so brightly, setting a record at the Masters for the most birdies ever with 11 in one round. He became the fifth PGA Tour player to win three times under 25, joining some names you would absolutely know, like Sergio Garcia, Tiger Woods, obviously, all those. But he burned out and has barely been seen since. So I think it's really just the intrigue that makes his story so appealing. Remember, a lot of the time you don't see people fade out of the world of golf. You kind of see the PGA Tour players go to the PGA Tour of Champions and kind of just fade in that sense, not actually like just go away and retire. Um, That's kind of tends to be another sport and any other sport realistically. So golf doesn't tend to be that way. So I think this was one of the few people the golf world feels was almost ripped away. So that's kind of my explanation on why you're now hearing Anthony Kim. And if you are not a huge golf fan, you're like, I don't understand that name and why he's so famous. So hopefully that gives you a little bit more insight. Moving along to some Olympic sports, three Wyoming swim and dive team members were killed in a car accident on Thursday with two others injured. The SUV swerved off the road and rolled multiple times. No official word yet on what caused the crash, but that brings the total of Wyoming students killed to 15 in recent years. In 2001, eight cross-country team members were killed after a drunk student hit their SUV head-on. In 2010, a football player was killed after his truck drifted off the, off the highway. In 2021, three students were killed after their car slid on ice and into another vehicle. The, th- the same 30-mile stretch where the 2021 and this new crash occurred has had about 570 crashes in the last five years, including 15 fatal wrecks, and that is way above average crash rate, which makes it a great candidate for some safety improvements. Sounds like it needs to happen, as this is a lot of tragedy to hit one school. Moving along to a little bit better notes, though, the first big competition of the gymnastics season was this weekend. It was the Winter Cup. Kayla DiCello won the All-American by all, all around in by 2.2 points over Sky Blakely and Hillsley Riviera. Other names you might recognize that was at this meet was Florida star Trinity Thomas. She was 2022 NCAA champion. She finished fourth in this competition. And then Auburn now retired Suni Lee, who is looking to just go after her Olympic dream, no longer competing in college for the Auburn Tigers. She is the reigning Olympic all-around gold medalist. She fell twice on her signature event, which is the uneven bars. Also, Gabby Douglas was supposed to be making her triumphant return at this meet, and that was delayed after she got a positive COVID test. So we'll have to wait to see her before we get there. 
And then sticking with gymnastics, UCLA and Utah met for the final time in the regular season as both are moving conferences next year. These two are so dominant in the Pac-12 that no other school has won the conference title since 2013. Utah got the last word on this rivalry, though, beating the Bruins by .325 points. Oklahoma remains number one and undefeated on the season. Sticking with some killer college sports, UGA sophomore Christopher Morales-Williams set a world record for the indoor 400-meter dash at the SEC Championships. Not good news for the United States, though, as he currently reigns from Canada. He beat the former mark set by Caron Clement in 2005 of 44.57 by .08. Actually, that record was set literally at the same track, which is in Arkansas. It is the fastest indoor track in the world, at least though they claim. And Morales Williams bested his own PR by almost an entire second. The Arkansas men's and women's teams won the SEC team titles overall, and NCAAs will be in two weeks. Finishing up Olympic news with some skiing, Swiss skier Marco Uttermott won his third straight World Cup title by winning the giant slalom this week. That is also the 10th consecutive uh, title in the giant slalom in that discipline. He has been so dominant that he has already guaranteed the crystal globe, which is the season long competition in the world of skiing with just 10 races still on the skiing calendar. It is absolutely crazy. No one can catch him by points anymore. And then quick highlights, college sports in general, Pac-12 has hired Teresa Gould to be their new commissioner. She is the first woman to be a commissioner of a Power 5 conference. Yes, I'm aware the Pac-12 still technically exists with just two schools, Washington State and Oregon State. They now are called the Pac-2, jokingly, who have both who both have a deal to compete with the Mountain West in 12 different sports for this next year. Also, the Ohio Casino Control Commission has now banned NCAA player prop bets. The reasoning is that these bets open up student athletes to harassment from bettors, insider information being solicited, and manipulation of smaller school events. So what a player prop means is you can't bet on CJ Stroud to throw three touchdowns, that kind of a deal. So CJ Stroud obviously playing quarterback for the Texans. So that's completely nullified because you can do that for NFL players. So let's go with Carson Beck of UGA. You can't use any of his stats. You think he'll rush for so many yards, none of those. And so all of those are coming off the table, according to the Ohio Casino Control Commission. A little bit of hockey, Jean Guy. Talbot also looks like Talbot's former Canadians defensiveman and seven time Stanley Cup winner has died at age 91. He sits ninth on the most Stanley Cup wins of all time. The most actually is at 11. The Canadians won the Stanley Cup five times in a row while he played for them from 1956 to 1960. And then in soccer news, Spain beat the Netherlands in the UEFA semifinals on Friday to qualify for their first ever Olympics. So that guarantees them a spot in the Paris Games. Spain won 3-0 with a goal by Jenny Hermoso. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because she was the one who was kissed by the previous Spanish Soccer Federation president without her consent after the Women's World Cup. They will play France in the final on Wednesday. That is what happened over the last week. Now let's move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. 
There is only one baseball or softball game on regular scheduled programming this week, and it is Saturday in the world of baseball because baseball has officially started now for the for college baseball. Number four, Florida takes on Miami at 2 p.m. on ACC Network. In the NBA, it is a full week. Tuesday, you have the 76ers play at the Celtics at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Rockets at the Thunder at 9. Wednesday, the Pelicans take on the Pacers at 6.30 on ESPN, and then the Lakers at the Clippers in the Battle of L.A. at 9 p.m. on ESPN as well. On Thursday, the Warriors take on the Knicks at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Heat at the Nuggets at 9. Friday, the Mavs play at the Celtics at 6.30 on ESPN, and the Bucks take on the Bills at 9. Bulls, sorry, not Bills. The Bulls at 9 on ESPN. Saturday, check out the Nuggets at the Lakers. Ought to be a great game at 7.30 p.m. So that's Jokic versus LeBron. That will be on ABC. And then Sunday, got a big slate going on. If you want to catch a game, it's pretty much all day. 76ers at the Mavs at 12 on ABC. The Warriors then take on the Celtics at 2.30, also on ABC. Then we flip over to ESPN for the Knicks at the Cavs at 6. And the Thunder, who are on a freaking roll. I can't believe their record right now. Take on the Suns at 8.30 also on ESPN. This week in college basketball, we've got a bunch of ranked games going on, but none of no ranked first ranked games until Saturday. But then Saturday, we've got a full slate. Number 24, Florida takes on number 18, South Carolina at 11 a.m. on ESPN. Then a big showdown in the Big 12. Number seven, Kansas takes on 15, Baylor. They play at noon on ABC. Number five, Marquette takes on 12, Creighton at 1.30 on Fox. And then not till the evening, number four, Tennessee taking on number 14, Alabama at 7 on ESPN. And then 23, Gonzaga takes on 17, St. Mary's at 9, also on ESPN. In women's basketball, we have a bunch of ranked games, but only a couple on regular scheduled TV. So tonight, number 13, Colorado takes on 8, UCLA at 8 on ESPN 2. The Wednesday game is the Red River Rivalry, number three, Texas at number 20, Oklahoma. They will play at six on ESPN+. Plus. On Thursday, v- number five, VTech at number 17, Notre Dame at six. They will play on ESPN. And then the other two games, we do have two ranked first ranked games also on Thursday, but neither one are on TV. And then on Sunday, a huge matchup in the top 10, number two, Ohio State at number six, Iowa at 12 p.m. on Fox. Caitlin Clark sits within striking distance of the overall D1 basketball all-time scoring record. Let's see if she can get it this week. And then finally, number 22, Louisville at number 17, Notre Dame at 1 on ESPN. That'll be the second-ranked game for Notre Dame this week, so a tough week for the Fighting Irish. The PGA Tour is at the Cognizant Classic at Palm Beach. Round one will begin on Thursday on Golf Channel. Same with round two on Friday. And then on Saturday, catch the Live Jeddah event in Saudi Arabia. The second round will play at 11.30 a.m. on the CW. And again, the return of Anthony Kim. PGA Tour Cognizant Classic round three will be at noon on Golf Channel. And then it'll switch over to NBC at 2 o'clock. Similar schedule on Sunday, Jetta's final round at, tw- at 12 on CW for the Live Tour. And then for the PGA Tour, the Cognizant Classic final round will be at noon on Golf Channel and switching over to NBC at 2. 
This week in the NHL on Wednesday, the Blues take on the Oilers at 7.30 on TNT. Thursday, you can catch the Avalanche at the Blackhawks at 8 on ESPN. Then on Saturday, the Panthers take on the Red Wings at 2 on ABC. And wrapping up the week, the Devils at the Kings at 2.30 on TNT. This week is also the beginning of the Formula One season. You can catch the Gulf Air Bahrain Grand Prix. That will be on Saturday. You can catch that at 9 a.m. on ESPN. In Olympic sports this week on Friday, lots of women's gymnastics. Alabama versus LSU. That will be at 5 on ESPN2. Auburn versus Georgia at 6 on SEC. And then Michigan takes on number one, Oklahoma, at 6.30 on ESPN2, all on Friday. So you could just sit and watch gymnastics for quite some time if you want to. On Saturday, skiing, the FIS World Cup will be at 1 on NBC. You can also catch that on Sunday at 12.30 on the same channel. On Sunday, following some skiing, you can also check out NCAA Gymnastics, Florida versus Kentucky at 1 on ESPN2, and Arkansas versus Mizzou at 5 on the SEC Network. That wraps it up for me this week. You know, always know there are more stories and games and times all on the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports. There was a lot going on this week. I pretty much covered every sport that I could possibly think of. So thanks for listening. Leave a comment if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns. And I'll catch you all next week.